We're going to do it this way again this Sunday. We will receive the tithes and offering at the end of the service. And I believe the Lord is going to bring closure to the tithes and offering today. But I want everybody to have a clear picture because as a pastor, you want your people to understand. And I want those online that may have had misconceptions about tithing and giving in relations to the, to the New Testament. There is no uh, uh, separation when it came to the tithe. And we're going we're gonna to walk this thing through. Amen? And I tell you, I thank God Pastor DJ taught it on Wednesday night. I told him he was stealing, trying to steal my lesson. But that's all right, you know. I'm praying for him, you know. <laughs> that's my son. I love him. And we, we laugh at each other so much, but that's all right. God is good. See, you got to teach what's, what's relevant and what we need in this hour. Amen? All right. Turn your Bibles again back to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. Now, Holy Spirit, you are the true teacher, so I receive the download for what you need me to say in this moment, at this time. I pray for every listener that their heart will receive, not just hear with their physical ear, but hear with the ears of their heart, and that their understanding will be clear and decisive, and we receive the anointing to learn now in Jesus' mighty name. Can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at Genesis 8, chapter uh, verse 22, chapter 8, verse 22. And let's go back and see what the original statement was said in relations to any kind of giving. While the earth remaineth, seed, time, and harvest, and coal and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall never cease, or shall not cease. One translation says, as long as the earth endures, Nothing will put a stop to planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night. Now, that planting is just not natural seed. Because, you know, God never just speak words. They just mean one thing because the word is pregnant. So it said there's always going to be planting and there should always be a harvest. Now, that's the guideline we must go by. So since, it had, since the earth is still orbiting, we're not gonna, we can't say planting has ceased. Mm. And I'm going to share with you something today that you might know and might not know. And I'm going to ask you my famous question again. Was the devil in the earth when Moses was in leadership? Okay, since he was in the earth. So we, we see that since the devil was there, we found out that the reason the law came is so that people that did not have God on the inside of them would have an outline as to how they were to approach God. You got to understand something. Men had been detached from God. They, they couldn't have access to God. You got to hear this. If God didn't come and deal with them, they had no access to God. Just like the sinner doesn't have access to God. The, the wall of sin separates the man from God because when, when Adam committed treason, then there was a wall or a petition. Or in one scripture says a veil. There was a veil that stood between man and God. 
God couldn't deal with men unless that's why they had to kill bulls and goats because blood had to be shed in order for man to deal with God or God to deal with man. Hmm. So the old way of dealing with God is what got changed, not tithing and giving. And we're going to walk it through again. However, tithing and giving is still a heart condition. Remember that? So if you don't have a heart towards God correctly, tithing and giving will always be a struggle for you. Mm. See, the law was designed to keep the people under the blessing. Not the blessing designed to fit the law. Y'all hear the difference? The law was designed so the people would get used to working with God again and the blessing would be on them. Now, how did the blessing get handed down to them? Well, let's walk that through. We're going to get there. Look at Hebrews 10, verse 1 through 5 real quick. See, because it's still a heart condition. And I'm going to show you some things by the Spirit of God this morning that I believe it's going to clear up all of the fog that you've ever had about tithing and giving. Verse 1, for the law having a shadow, say a shadow, of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices, what sacrifices? The bulls and goats. Not talking about tithes and offering. It's talking about bulls and goats. The animals, the sacrifice of the animals. Watch this. Which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. In other words, that system of doing that could not change the inward man. It, it only did something outwardly. It only gave, a, 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 it opened the door so God could talk to them. That's the only reason. Because he's trying to keep them in the blessing. Why? Because he got to get Jesus in the earth. So he has to have a group of people that he can deal with so he can get Jesus. Because he's trying to get Jesus to correct all the mess. You got to see it from the kingdom perspective. He says, look at verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered. Because that the worshiper once purged should have no more what? Conscious of sin. See, this is a sin issue, a heart issue. This tither was never supposed to be separated in the mind of any believer. Mm. But we've made tithing the only thing that we draw from the Mosaic law. When it was all about the heart. Okay. Watch this. But in those sacrifices, what sacrifice? Verse 3. The, the sacrifices of the bull and goats and the lambs and the turtle doves and all those animals that they sacrificed. There is a remembrance again made of sins every year. So they had to do this every year. They had to go to the temple every year. And they had to bring a bull or goat and sacrifice it and lay that on the, on the altar, offer it to the priest. Why? Because that was an atonement for their sins. And then they could go right back because since the heart hadn't changed, they could go right back to sinning. 
because there was no heart transformation. Watch this. For it is not possible, say not possible, that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore he cometh into the world, he saith, who said, Jesus saying, sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. So Jesus had to come because God is trying to rectify or fix what has been broken through Adam. And he had to have somebody in the earth that was going to help him get that done. And therefore, we see Abraham. Now look at Hebrews chapter 7. Ah, oh, Jesus. We getting there, Lord. Uh, I'm, now, I might be moving kind of fast because we went over some of this last Sunday. And, but I'm, I got to bring you up to date. For those that are listening for the first time, I'm trying to bring you up to date. But go back and watch the previous lessons if you think you're missing something. All right, Hebrews 7, look at verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. Wait, wait. To him also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness, and after that also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Without father, without mother, without, without descent, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made like unto the who? Son of God abideth a priest continually. Now, I began to do some research, and a lot of the Bible scholars that I've researched through believe Melchizedek was Jesus. That Jesus, because Jesus was going to take on the role of the high priest, it's going to get deep for a moment. Stay with me. Watch this. Just, just keep that in your mind. Look at verse 4. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth, say the tenth, of the spoils. And verily they that are the sons of Levi, who's Levi? That's the Levitical priesthood. He was in Abraham. But he's already denoting the Levitical priesthood. Watch this. Who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take what? Tithes of the people according to the law. Tithes had to be taken. What law? The law that was established through Abraham. Tithing was not a Mosaic law. It was established in Abraham. This is where we get most of our error because we think tithing was done in just in the Mosaic law. The Mosaic law gave the people structure how to approach God with the tithe and the offering so they could remain under the blessing. Mm. Watch this. And verily, let me go back and read verse 5 again. And verily they that are the sons of Levi who receive the office of the priesthood have a commandment to take tithes of the people according to the law. That is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. <laughs> but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham, talking about Melchizedek, and blessed him that had the promises. So Abraham had the promise 
But the blessing had to be pronounced on him. And only the high priest can do that. See, the blessing hadn't been released. Tithing had to release the blessing. Yeah, don't nobody fool y'all about this stuff. The, the tithing made the opportunity for the blessed to be the blessing to be activated. God gave Abraham a promise, but now he wants to bless him. But there's a seed that got to be planted. As long as the earth remains, seed has to be planted. Tithing is not something spooky. Tithing is a type of giving. When you understand that, you put it right. It is a seed, but it's called the sacred seed. It's the set-aside seed. But it's a type of giving. And it's never been done because God making you do it. See, in the Old Testament, they, they had to follow this in order to keep right on living. Today, we don't, God not making anybody do anything. He didn't make them do it. They, they had a consequence. Remember I told you that last Sunday? There was a consequence. Whether you obeyed or disobeyed, or disobeyed there was always something as a result of your decision. Watch this. And it says, and without contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. So in other words, the Melchizedek is denoted as the better, and he blessed Abraham, who is considered the less, the lesser one in this scenario. Oh, goodness. And here men that die receive tithes, verse 8, but there he, who is the he they're talking about? Jesus. Receiveth them. Now you can't you can't erase because we 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 in the New Testament, right? Aren't we in the book of Hebrews? Okay. And here men that die receive tithes. Talking about the Levitical priesthood. And all the priests that took tithes and offerings, they died off. But it says, but there he received them. Where? At the right hand of the Father. Jesus is now the high priest, right? Of whom it is witness that he liveth. That's how, that, that is like, it's like a, uh, I'm trying to get the perfect, I want the example to show you. Our tithing says Jesus is alive. It represents our understanding and knowing that Jesus is alive. That's why we tithe, because Jesus is alive. And if he's the high priest, he's supposed to be tithed unto. Okay. And as I may say, so say, Levi also who received tithes back later on because the tithe was passed down, paid tithes in Abraham because Levi wasn't born yet. For he was yet in the lawns of his father. Look at verse 10. When Melchizedek met Abraham. You might want to write this down. Abraham was the representative man for the New Testament believer. That is why he was called the father of faith. We're supposed to look at him and glean the natural side how to operate with God from Abraham. And if Abraham tithed, so should you. 
See, there's a natural side to the covenant, and there's a spiritual side. Jesus came and displayed what we can do spiritually and who we are to show us what power we have, the dominion and authority we walk in. Abraham shows us how the blessing works. And you can't cancel Abraham out when it comes to the blessing. So if Abraham tithed, who taught Abraham to tithe? God did. When he preached the gospel unto him. Look at Romans 4. And I want to read this out, the Amplified. Look at verse 1. I got to recount it quick because 18 verses. Okay. What then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, humanly speaking, has found? Has he obtained a favor standing? Verse 2. For if Abraham was justified, that is, acquitted from the guilt of his sins by works, those things he did that were good, he would have something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed in, trusted, relied on God. And it was credited to his count as righteousness, right living, right standing with God. That's the way we live today. As a New Testament believer, we are to depend on, rely on God, trust in him. Isn't that right? That's what Abraham learned. Woo. But the blessing had to be released upon him. And it took the tithe and the offering to do it. That's why he didn't have no problem giving away the 90% like my son taught on Wednesday night. He tithed the 10 to Melchizedek. He didn't have a problem getting rid of the 90 because he, he understood the blessing. He understood the blessing because God taught him the blessing. But it had to, it had a high priest had to come and represent. So the tithe and the offering can be given. Woo, Jesus. Now to a laborer, his wages are not credited as a favor or a gift, but as an obligation, something owed to him. Verse 5, but to the one who does not work, that is, the one who does not try to earn his salvation by doing good, but believes and completely trusts in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited to him as righteousness or right standing with God. So you can't work salvation. You can't earn it. It is done by your trusting and your believing. And in this same way, verse 6, David speaks of the blessing on the one to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Verse 7, blessed and happy and favored are those whose lawless acts have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered up and completely buried. Blessed and happy and favored is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account nor charge against him. He said you are empowered to prosper when God don't hold your sins against you anymore. Woo, Jesus. And that's what he told Abraham. God credited his believing as righteousness. Verse 9, is this blessing only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as what? Righteousness. How then was it credited to him? Was it after he had been circumcised or before? 
not after, but while he was uncircumcised. So Abraham hadn't had that. He had cut the covenant through circumcision. He believed God. He heard the word God preached to him, and he did tithing. Because he believed what God said to him. And he activated the blessing through his tithing and his giving. Now, don't forget, tithing is a type of giving. It's just sacred because that's what God said you need to set aside. Apostle Paul talks about setting some aside weekly as the Lord prospers you. If I get a, time, get a chance, I'll read that to you. So it says, he received, verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of confirmation of the righteousness which he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. This was so that he would be the spiritual father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be credited to them. Ah, ain't you glad you don't have to go through circumcision? <laughs> the cutting of the skin. Mm. It says, now righteousness can be credited to us because we believe. See, Abraham is our example of how we deal with God. Jesus came and showed us who we are, what we can do, and what we have in the kingdom. Abraham is our example of how we deal with God. Mm. Woo. When you want the blessing upon you, you got to go back to the person that the blessing was promised to and see what they did to activate the blessing. Hmm. Watch this. Look at verse 13. Getting ready to bite us. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world was not through observing the requirements of the law, but through the righteousness of faith. The promise wasn't given to Abraham because of the law. The law wasn't even there. Yeah. I want you to see that Mosaic law right. It was a shadow, an outline of what God wanted to get done in us. Mm. Verse 14. If those who are followers of the law are the true heirs of Abraham, then faith leading to salvation is of no effect and void. And the promise of God is nullified. See, because back in the old covenant, they had to do works in order to deal with God. Because they were not born again. And the only way God could deal with them, look, you take, you do this, and, and I'm, I'll protect you. That's the most God could deal with them. That's why the high priest was always the go-between. Because God did not deal with the people as a whole or as individuals. They had the high priest that stood between them. And God would talk to the high priest. And the high priest would tell the people what God said. Because God wasn't dealing with man like that, like he deals with us today. Ah, y'all ought to be happy. Verse 15, for the law results in God's wrath against sin. 
But where there is no law, there is no violation of it either. Therefore, inheriting the promise, verse 16, depends entirely on faith. That is, confident trust in the unseen God in order that it may be given as an act of grace, his favor and mercy, so that the promise will be legally, say legally, guaranteed to all the descendants of Abraham, not only for those Jewish believers who keep the law, but also for those Gentile believers who share the faith of Abraham, who is the spiritual father of us all. As it is written, verse 17 in Scripture, I have made you a father of many nations in the sight of him in whom he believed. That is God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In other words, he called those things that be not as though they were. He taught Abraham, call. Speak to the next generation. Hmm. Woo. Verse 18, in hope against hope, Abraham believed that he would become a father of many nations as he had been promised. See, there's the promise. He was promised by God that numberless shall be your descendants. Your descendants will be numberless. Woo. Now go back to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. See, are, are you learning? See, because I think this is where we get confused because we think everything started with the Mosaic law, and it did not. And it didn't end with the Mosaic law. Verse 11, if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law. Where further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek, and not be called after the order of Aaron. Because that would make sense. Aaron was, see, there was an automatic thing that happened in the Levitical priesthood. Who was in line for next to be the priest? That's who became the priest. Aaron was the high priest when Moses was alive. And it just passed down from one. And it was saying that if, if that was, if that could fix the sin nature problem that man had, we wouldn't have needed another priest. It had been called after the order of Aaron. But they couldn't get their life fixed because the blood of a man had to be shed. Remember, that's the criteria. But until, Jesus, until God could get Jesus in here, we got bulls and goats and calves and everything else being sacrificed so blood can be represented. Ah, oh, Jesus. For the priesthood being changed, uh, glory to God, because the priesthood got changed because Melchizedek did not come out the Levitical priesthood, and Jesus, if Jesus was, excuse me, <clears throat> if Jesus was still in the earth, he would not be a high priest according to the Levitical law, because he didn't come out the Levitical uh, tribe either. He came out of the tribe of Judah, and Judah is not mentioned in the Mosaic law as being able to receive tithes and offering. So the priesthood had to be changed because of you and I. 
Remember, God preached the gospel to Abraham, and he foresaw that the Gentiles would come into the, the kingdom through faith. Therefore, we have a need for a new type of priest. It says, so now not only does the priesthood, since the priesthood is being changed, the law has to be changed. We can no longer take this new priest and fit him into the old Levitical law of how we deal with God. It's not going to be necessary that you bring a bull to church. It's not going to be necessary that you wear certain things and, and do this and do that in order to come into the presence of God. Ooh. Look at verse 13. For he of whom these things are spoken pertaining to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar, talking about Jesus. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arise another priest, another priest. So we see Melchizedek being a high priest unto Abraham, who becomes the representative of the New Testament believer. Can y'all see that? So Abraham shows us how to deal with God, how to trust God. Mm. Watch this. Who is made, verse 16, not after the law of a kind of commandment, but after the power of an endless life. I want to read this out of the, the other version that I have. Let's see. There it is. Let me go down to verse. Let's just start with verse 60, then I know, I'm, I know I catch up right. But this man, Melchizedek, who did not belong to that Levite ancestry, collected a tenth part of Abraham's income. And although Abraham received the promises, it was Melchizedek who blessed Abraham. It was necessary for the blessing. Because God never give you promises without the blessing. The blessing had to be activated through tithing. Look at verse 7. Now, I don't have to tell you that it is the lesser one who receives a blessing from the greater. In the case, let's go down to verse 11. If a perfect method of reconciling with God, a perfect priesthood, had been found in the sons of Levi, a priesthood that communicated God's law to the people, then why would the scripture speak of another priest, a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, instead of saying from the order of Aaron? What would be the need for it? It will reflect a new way of relating to God. That's why it was necessary. Because now the law getting ready to change how we relate to God. Not get rid of tithes. 
but how we relate to God. Because when there is a change in the priesthood, there must be a corresponding change in the law as well. We're talking about someone who comes from another tribe for which no member has ever served at God's altar. It's clear that Jesus, our Lord, descended from the tribe of Judah, but Moses never spoke about priests from that tribe. Doesn't it seem obvious Jesus is a priest who resembles Melchizedek in so many ways? He is someone, verse 16, who has become a priest, not because of some requirement by human lineage, but because of the power of a life without end. Ooh, Jesus. Remember the psalmist says, you are a priest forever in the honored order of Melchizedek. Because the earlier commandment was weak and did not reconcile us to God effectively, it was set aside. Because it couldn't bring, it could not fix our heart condition. After all, the law could not make anyone or anything perfect. God has now introduced a new and better hope through which we may draw near to him. Somebody need to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And not only did he send Jesus to do it, but he confirmed it by swearing to it. Because it says, look at verse 21. Y'all see, the Levite order priest took office without an oath. But this man, Jesus, became a priest through God's oath. The eternal God has sworn an oath and cannot change his mind. You are the high priest forever. This priesthood would never change again. Never going to change again. So we can see that Jesus has become the guarantee of a new and better covenant. Further, the prior priesthood of the sons of Levi has included many priests because death cut short their service. But Jesus holds his priesthood permanently because he lives his resurrected life forever. So from such a vantage, he is able to save those who approach God. See, it's all about how we approach God. Through him for all time, because he will forever live to be their advocate in the presence of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Look at verse 26. It is only fitting that we should have a high priest who is devoted to God, blameless, pure, compassionate, toward but separate from sinners, and exalted by God to the highest place of honor. See, that's the highest place of honor. Do you think God would do away with that? And then that, and I mean, since Jesus is still the high priest, what are you going to be the high priest over? They say, our confessions, but you can't confess something without planting. You can't confess, uh, uh, I'm rich and you never sow. Yes, Jesus is the high priest of our confession. A confession of faith. And a tithing represents my faith. Ooh. Unlike other high priests, verse 27, he does not first need to make atonement every day for his own sins and only then for his people's because he already made atonement, reconciling us with God once and forever when he offered himself as a sacrifice. The law made imperfect men high priests, but after that law was given, God swore an oath 
that made his perfected son a high priest for all time. Now say this after me. Tithing is not a debt I owe, but a seed I sow. I sow my tithe as a response to my love for God. See, because it's all about your heart. Tithing was to prove your heart. Not necessarily your pocketbook, but your heart. Because your money going to speak volumes about your heart. Jesus said in Matthew, where your heart, where your treasure is, where, where, where can we find? Your heart. Go back and see what you spend the bulk of your money on. Let's tell God where your heart is. This is why God needs us to be out of debt. Because when God needs to tell us to do something, we need to be debt-free so we don't keep being all that money. If you go back and look at how much money we pay between mortgage, car payments, and furniture bills, and a little teeny debt over here, and a debt over here, and a little debt over there, we spend a lot of money that could be seed. But if you don't believe in tithing and giving, you'll never come out of debt. Ooh. So tithing is not a debt I owe, but a seed I sow. And it's my response to my love for God. Say this after me. I'm going to keep on tithing because it works. I'm going to do it out of respect for the God that saved me. The God that blessed me. The God that delivered me. And the God that has favored me. See, when you go back and look at it, see, this shouldn't be an issue in your heart. Tithing and giving shouldn't be an issue of the heart. Because mm. tithing is an act of love and not obligation. Woo, listen to me. Tithing has nothing to do with giving God money. God does not need money from us. But whenever God asks us to do something, and God sets something up, it is for our benefit. Because he doesn't need our He owns everything. What you going to give him? <laughs> the air you breathe, he's giving it. You don't own anything apart from God. Now, we're supposed to walk in this earth like we own it. But you can't do that if you're not a tithe and a giver. Your confidence, you ain't no confidence in that. Mm -hmm. I know we try to act like we all that, but we're not when we're not confident through our tithing and giving. Okay, tithing and giving is God's training ownership program for the believer. God owns 100% of what you have. 10% off the top belongs to God first. Who owns the 90%? God does. Oh, we got some smart people in this room. God does. But he's using money to train us how to cooperate with him. Can y'all see that? So the system of tithing and giving is to train us how to live on God's level. <laughs> Ooh, Jesus. To become givers like he is. 
you know, I, I was sitting in my chair and I was thinking, I said, Lord, you know what? If flies was what you needed from us, the devil would make sure Christians didn't get flies. <laughs> he would make flies the hardest thing to get. That's why tithing, listen, there have been two things that's been under attack ever since I've been alive that I know about, and that's tithing and praying in tongues. And they're always trying to do away with them. They must be necessary. You go back and check. There are no two other subjects that most people debate about other than tithing and praying in tongues. The two most powerful things that you can have in your life working. See, because we view tithing as an obligation, and it's not. It's a seed you sow as a response of love to God. But it's sacred. It has to be 10%. That's the only condition of that. The tithe has to be 10%. You can give all kinds of other offerings, but that sacred seed has to be 10%. He says, everything that come in your hand, all the increase, you're supposed to get 10%. I was saying, Lord, you know what? If I got 10 dresses and somebody gave me so one is not mine, he says, right. Doesn't mean I don't put it in my closet. It just means that God should be able to tell me, give that dress away. Ooh, I know I'm really scratching y'all itch this morning. Because, see, we, we, this is how we mess up. We buy stuff, and we don't consider that. Did God get his tenth off of this? I should be considering, if God need me to bless somebody else, then that means I got to make sure that I have more than what I need in my house. I, I, I got to have something that God can ask me to give. That's what the type see. This is what the tithing does to you. It, it rearranges your thinking when you do it right. So tithing and giving is to train us how to live on God's level. And the major tool for training is money and how we respond when commanded to release it. See, because it's all about our heart. From your heart, because you love and worship God, consistently put aside without coercion or grumbling 10% of everything you get for God's purposes. My children joke me sometimes. My husband did too, but they always knew they could come to me because I always had money, and I still do. And they be saying, Mama, I know you got some money, don't you? I said, yeah, because you know why? Because I tithe and I give. And I know they tithe and give, but I be, you know, we be messing with one another. I know they tithe and give. But I set money aside on purpose because I believe this principle. Set money aside on purpose because God need me to give somebody, to be a blessing to somebody. I can't have just what I need for my house all the time. I got to put some money aside as a seed because God may ask me, do this. But then I say, oh, Lord, uh, I, don't have no, I don't have enough money. I always got seed in my house. So when I take out the 10%, I'm working to put 10% in my house to plant somewhere. So if I get $100, 
10% coming to the house of God where I'm being fed. And 10% I'm going to put beside somewhere. $10 going aside. You say, that's a lot of money. Oh, not, not when you want to live on God's level. Not when you want to be like Abraham. Abraham was very rich, the Bible says. Not only in cattle, but the Bible says he was rich in gold and gold and silver. He had everything he needed plus. How many of y'all got 318 soldiers in your house? Servants. Trained servants. We're not talking about the maids. These were trained servants that he could take the battle and, and win and won the fight against the kings that he won and gave the tithe to Melchizedek from. That's how he delivered a lot. Can you go deliver somebody else based on your seed? But if you're not in no position, do that heish, as my mother-in-law can say. Heish your mouth. <laughs> They would never say hush. They say, hi, show mile. <laughs> if, if, you, if you're not preparing to be a, distribu a distributor uh, uh, system yourself, you don't have the right to say tithing is gone. That is not for you. Well, it might not be for you, you know, because it's a heart condition. It's a heart situation. So from your heart, because you love and worship God consistently, Put aside without coercion, not because you feel like somebody forcing you, not because, see, that's the way we talk about in 2 Corinthians 9. Apostle Paul said, don't give that way. Don't give out of necessity. That don't give just because you need some money back. I'll turn this way because it's going to do something to your faith. You give because you love. Not because you're just looking for something back. Should I have expectation? Absolutely. That's the promise of God. That when I activate the tithe, the blessing shows up. I don't have to worry about that. See, I, I ain't got to sit down upon it. I wonder who God going to use. Let me see. Well, I help brother, sister, so and sister, so and so. Maybe they're going to give back. See, I don't have to do that. Because I gave it from a heart of love. So God should be able to speak to you and command you to give anything you have. Mm. Mm. When you know all of it belongs to him. See, this is when you learn to live on God's level. When you can turn everything you have over to him. I told you all about my diamond bracelet. It broke the stinginess off of me. And I began to excel in my relationship with the Lord by the Holy Spirit. And I began to understand the revelation began to be downloaded in me. Why? Because I broke the veil between me and God. That stinginess. Some of y'all, been, you've, been, you've been raised through stingy parents. And if you're not careful, you'll be stingy and tight yourself. And even though you think you're giving a lot, but it's not based on what the freedom you're looking for. Now, I can't tell you what to give because that's between you and God. I'm talking about the tithing. The offerings is what you, you and God deal with. The 10% is non-negotiable. God said that. It's non-negotiable. If I had it my way, I would tell you give 5%. But since it ain't my way, 
I can't tell you to do that. I've been in churches where they told the people, if you can't afford to tithe 10%, tithe 5%. You can't find that in the Bible. Tithe, the word tithe means 10th. It didn't say fifth or five. It said 10th. Okay. Listen, God so loved that he gave and he still gives. Therefore, we must love and give. Tithe in the Old Testament was designed to prove their hearts toward God's. Tithing today is still a heart issue. Not of being forced or coerced or manipulated. I, that's why I don't like begging offerings. I, I was listening to somebody recently uh, on a, a broadcast. And the man, I mean, they, they spent an hour trying to get the people to give them $100. They want everybody to... But you, you, let the Lord tell you, but they, they give you the amount. I can't do that. Because it's according to your faith. Now, if you ask for a pledge, we're talking a different circumstance. Do y'all hear the difference? Well, don't tell me my offering got to be $100. That's not legal. I can't tell you what you're going to give God from your heart of love. Now, if we got a project going, can I, am I helping anybody? Pledge is an offering, but it's a different kind of offering. If I'm going to pledge something, that means I have decided that's what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. They had pledged the money. And they died because they lied because of the pledge. Because then the first fruit, see, the first fruits, everybody was doing first fruits in the book of Acts when the church first got started. And the first fruit is, you, you, you don't do that but at one time. Because what happens? We're starting this whole new thing called the church. And everybody now is selling what they got. And they're bringing that and they're landing before the apostles' feet. And everybody said, I'm going to give it all. And Peter said, well, Ananias, when it was in your own hand, you, you didn't have to say, I'm going to give it all. Because it's a pledge. You should have said, well, I don't want to pledge half of it. Are y'all hearing me? They're not talking about tithes in that book. We're talking about a commitment, a pledge that everybody decided to partake of. Still holy. And once you pledge it, you can't back out of it any kind of way. You better get your stuff straight. See, y'all used to lie to man. You can't lie to God like that. Don't pledge God no money. And then you back out and say, well, you know, I, I, I had to get some new tires on my car. So I, can't, I couldn't pay my pledge. Praise the Lord. See, until we understand tithing and the offerings and pledges and different kinds of giving, we can't lump tithing as as the as the as, as the main as the as the main problem. Tithing is not a problem. Okay, getting ready to close. So God never intended for the New Testament church to set this powerful principle aside because the old covenant had been fulfilled. Because in the old covenant. When that was set aside, 
What got set aside was how we approach God. And the law provided a means for the people to deal with God so they could stay under the blessing. Because God made a promise to Abraham concerning his descendants. And God's not a liar. And he wasn't going to back out what he promised Abraham. But he had, to, he had to orchestrate something so the people can remain under the blessing. Because who got blessed first? Abraham. And if you read all through the Bible, everybody that did it like Abraham, they became rich. <laughs> did you learn anything this morning? Woo. So we, I, I believe we've answered most questions. If not, take it to Jesus. Lonnie Harris sung a song, take it to Jesus. Why? Because you, you're trying to find a way out. And tithing is not an obligation. You're not obligated to tithe. But God is not obligated to bless you. That's just how easy it is. And that's not a harsh thing. When you go to work and you don't work, your boss is not obligated to pay you. He watching you doing nothing for the eight hours. And then at the end of the week, you, you, just because you showed up, you said, well, I did my 40 hours, but you didn't work one blessed day. Now you're mad with the boss and you want to sue him. You're offended. And you shouldn't be. We are partners with God. So remember, tithing is a seed we sow, and you plant it in response of our love for God. But remember, it has to be what? 10%. All right, come on, stand to your feet.